to today's audio podcast from the Church at Bushland. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of the Church at Bushland and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at thechurchatbushland.com or download our app by searching for The Church at Bushland in your app store. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment to let us know how this ministry is impacting your life by emailing us at info at thechurchatbushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so in our app or by visiting thechurchatbushland.com slash give. I love you. I love you too. Ooh. Round two. I am so excited. And um, if you're sitting there like a bump on a log this morning, you might as well get unbumped. Um, because... Yeah, the Lord has a word, and it's for all of us to hear. It's not just for you, but it's also for me. He's been talking to me for a while um, and has been telling me, girl, you better listen up, and you better open your mouth and say the words that I want for you to say. So I know what he shared in the last service. I have no idea if what's going to come out of my mouth is going to be the same in this service as it was the last service, because my goal ultimately is not for you to hear me speak but to hear him, right? And so before we go any further, can we pray? Yeah, you can say yes, that's okay. Yes. (laughs) Woo, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Have your way in this place, God. I pray that we (laughs) feel you and hear you so much It is impossible for us to utter the words, where's the Holy Spirit? Because you permeate every molecule of this atmosphere, God, and we would be fools if we were not, if we didn't pay attention to that. So God, I'm your vessel. Use me to say what you want me to say. Make me be quiet where you want me to be quiet. Open my mouth where you want me to speak, God. And most of all, do what you do, God because you are holy and pure and you are the almighty creator of the heavens and the earth. And we submit everything to you, God. Amen. Okay, so a little bit about me. Jeff shared a great um, introduction. Love them. Um, What he didn't tell you about John and I being here coming in 2013 is we tried really, really hard to not like it here. Like, Legit, right? We tried. We had a speech prepared and everything for why this was not going to be the place for us. Clearly, God had other plans. And we've been here for the past 10 years. So when I asked the Lord um, while standing over there, God, what do you want for this service to hear? Because you are a completely different people group, with the exception of the people who are on staff, right? And they get to hear it twice. They get a different message too, because God works as he works and we do. Um, we simply say what he wants us to say. I asked him, God, what, what do you want out of this service? And he said, well, first of all, Blakeney, don't get up from my table. Just because you ate really good in the last service doesn't mean you need to walk away now. He said, stay at the table and invite them to join you. So whether you're here or whether you're online, you have a seat at the table, Right? We already know about the two tables. Jeff spent a great amount of time sharing with us about the table of the world. We don't want it, right? 
in the table of the Lord, which is where we actually get sustenance. Yes? Okay. This is the table where we're going to eat today. All right. And when I think about food, I think about Mother's Day and I think about moms. I am a mom. I have um, two teenagers. Pray for me. I have an 18-year-old who's graduating in less than two weeks. It pains my heart, but it's also super exciting because um, she's been prepared. We also have a 15-year-old who just started driving again. Pray for us, and I'm going to pray for you um, because he's on the road. Although I can actually say that because Jace went home for this service, and I'll make him watch this later and be like, see, I did talk about you, buddy. Um, (laughs) That's literally the first thing he said to me after the service. Mom, can you believe you only talked about Kaylin and you didn't talk about me? To which then Kaylin said, you remember when she talked about food, Jace, and everybody being hungry and hungry and hungry? That was all you, which she's right. Because when I think about moms and the things that we provide, a lot of times our goal is to feed our family, right? We want the food to feed our family. So when I think about all the things that our kids may want from us, first thing oftentimes is food, right? They come just, mom, where's the food? I mean, maybe they don't say it like that. They might cry and whine, throw a fit. Oh, I don't want that. Can I have this? Right? But they're looking for food. Or they come to us because they're tired. Or they come to us because they can't find their socks. Or they're hungry, right? Or um, they need a paper signed for school two weeks ago right? Or um, they're mad at their sister or they're hungry, right? (laughs) Right? Or um, someone left them undelivered, okay, on Snapchat. For those of us in my generation, that means someone purposely doesn't answer your text. Lingo for the younger generation. I never thought I'd be part of the generation. It's like, I don't know what you're talking about, but I have arrived. It must be in combination with the fact that I got really excited to buy this pink blazer for this. Um, I never thought I would enter that land. Because like Jeff mentioned, I used to spend a lot of my time in the classroom with children. Kids are my jam. Middle schoolers, even better. They are as weird as the day is long. But I love them, and they are highly entertaining. Now I spend my day with grownups, which is great. Um, I love working with grownups, but I spent a long time, um, 14 years with children. And so sometimes I've got to rein it in a little bit um, until the Lord's like, no, I gave you a mouth and a humor for a sense of (laughs) purpose. It's okay to use it. Um, And so I do. You may hear some of that this morning. So when I think about what moms do and what we provide, it makes me think of my friend Naomi, the Bible Naomi, okay? So we're going to talk about Naomi today. We're going to be in the book of Ruth, but I want to talk to you about my friend Naomi that I can't wait to meet in heaven someday because she she is a very pure example for me of what it looks like to continue to walk in obedience, one, when I don't want to, two, when I feel like I can't, and three, when the pressures of this world beg me to walk away from it, okay? Naomi is my girl. So whether you've met her or not in the book of Ruth, we're gonna read a little bit about her. So I want for you to go ahead and grab your Bibles, whether it's paper version or the phone version, okay? And I'd like for you to stand with me while we read Ruth chapter one, verses one through five. So you can go ahead and stand up. Jeff, this might just have to become a thing where we, yeah. 
It's kind of fun. During the time of the judges, there was a famine in the land. A man left Bethlehem and Judah with his wife and two sons to live in the land of Moab for a while. The man's name was Elimelech and his wife's name was Naomi. The names of his two sons were Malon and Chilion. Side note, I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, but they're not in front of me to get offended if I got it wrong, so it's okay. They were Ephrathites, yeah, from Bethlehem and Judah. They entered the land of Moab and settled there. Naomi's husband, Elimelech, died, and she was left with her two sons. Her sons took Moabite women as their wives, one named Orpah, and the second was named Ruth. After they lived in Moab about 10 years, both Malon and Chilion also died, and Naomi was left without her two children and without her husband. Okay, you go and have a seat. To give a little bit of background into Naomi, we did read about that, right? They're from, she and her husband Elimelech were in the land of Bethlehem of Judah. They left because there was a famine. They needed food, right? What did I tell you moms do? We are looking to feed our family. So they go to Moab, which would be all fine and dandy, except Moab doesn't, the people of Moab don't worship the same God that Naomi and Elimelech and her boys did. Pagan culture in Moab, right? So that becomes a problem when they leave the land in order to find food and they end up in this place where the people are worshiping idols. They worship other gods, little g gods, right? They end up becoming the minority who worship God the Father. But that's gonna become important because when um, Naomi's husband dies and she's left with her two sons, they both marry Moabite women, okay? Moabite women who I just told you are part of the culture that don't know our God, the Father, right? So they have no understanding of who God the Father is, what he says he will do, and whether or not he's faithful. All they know, these two girls, Orpah and, uh, and Ruth, all they know is they've married into this family that apparently worship this big G God, right? So when you take into consideration that then the father of the house passes and you have Naomi who's left without her husband, then when we look, it says, <laughs> 10 years later is when the boys died. They'd been there about 10 years and both of her, both of her sons die, okay? So, no husband, no children. She's left with two daughters-in-law of whom she appears to love very much. There's not a lot of text surrounding that, but here's how I know she loved her daughters-in-law. She continued to speak the name of the Lord despite what she was walking, which is why I love Naomi so much. I relate with her, okay? When I think about Naomi and what she walked through, woo wee what an example of remaining true, remaining held to the truth that God the Father offered despite what she was living. Because the reality is, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? Can we agree on that? Yes, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Fun fact, that's despite how we feel about him, right? We can be super happy about what God is doing. We can be super not happy about what God is doing. And he remains faithful. 
He still remains Yahweh here. He remains Yahweh here. He remains Yahweh here. He remains the creator of the universe here, here, here. It remains true that he sent his son, Jesus, God himself, here, here, here. Despite what we're walking and how we feel about what he's doing. Can I tell you how much that proved to be true in Naomi's life and how it literally saved my life? Because I understand when Naomi walked this road of grief without her husband and without her two sons, she's in this land of people who don't worship the same God that she is. Yet somehow, way deep down, (coughs) excuse me, she knows, her soul knows what her mouth cannot utter and what her heart cannot align with and what her head certainly isn't saying, which is, God, you are good. You are good, you are good, you are good. Those are words that can be extremely difficult yet practically impossible to say in a time where we want something so bad we can hardly stand it. When our hearts are so broken that we can't fathom that he is good, right? We've been in that place. Naomi was in that place where she wondered, God, are you good? Are you good? Like, I know that you are and I hope that you are, but I'm not sure that I believe it. So I wonder if when she invited um, Orpah and Ruth, she actually invited Orpah and Ruth to go back to their families in Moab so they could find husbands because Naomi knew she was not gonna get married again. And she certainly knew that she could not birth more children, more sons for Ruth and um, Orpah to marry to continue within their bloodline. So she invites them to go to their home. Orpah says, okay, returns home. Ruth says, no, I'm coming with you. Think about what that meant for Ruth. She has to leave everything she knew, right? Her whole life to go with this lady, her mom-in-law, right? Who she obviously trusted into a land who worships the God of the universe, which is completely foreign to her because her family group had always worshiped, had always been pagan worshipers, yes? So when I think about that and I think about Naomi's obedience to continue to talk about the Lord and what he did and his faithfulness, Ruth says, no, your people will be my people and your God will be my God. That right there, that, that line, boom, right there tells me that Naomi remained firmly rooted in the truth of who God said he was despite that her heart was in a bajillion pieces, right? And I often wonder if when Naomi and Ruth were taking that journey back to Bethlehem and Judah, if it looked a little bit like this, God, like, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. I hear that there's food, that you put food back in Bethlehem. But God, I need a, I need a different kind of food. I need, I need you. Are you there? Are you there, God? I, I hear that you're good. I've always professed that you're good. God, are you? Ruth, are you, Ruth come on. Okay. Are you sure you don't want to go back, Ruth? No, Naomi, I'm going with you. Your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. It's where then Naomi and Ruth, they get to Bethlehem and they've been gone for 10 years, at least 10 years. And the women 
in verse, um, it's in verse 19. It says the women were excited to see them. They were excited to see Naomi and Ruth. Naomi was not excited to see them. Have you ever been in that place where you were just so like, your skin crawls with either anger, frustration, um, disappointment, loneliness, longing, that when you see somebody who like seems to be smiling all the time, you're like, mm, hashtag no deal, right? You went completely away from them because one, you're a little bit jealous at what they have. And two, you know that what you're living right now in this moment is not that. And you cannot fathom, why do they have it and not me? What did I do, Lord, that you would bless them and not me, right? I know we've all been in that place. So if you try to say that you haven't, you're lying, okay? Because we live this life. So when I think about the women being excited to see Naomi and Ruth, Naomi actually says the words, <laughs> I love her. She just called it like it is. We're, I think we're gonna be friends in heaven. She says, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has made me very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why do you call me Naomi since the Lord has pronounced judgment on me and the Almighty has afflicted me? Have you been there? Yes. You might be there now. Yes. It's okay to be in that place, y'all. It's okay because you don't have to stay there. When I think about the time I related so much with Naomi, John, I told you that we have two teenagers, an 18-year-old and a 15-year-old, but we also have a daughter who would be 12. She would be turning 12 um, this summer who only got to spend this side of heaven with us for about four hours, okay? And let me just say that when that whole experience happened, in the face of knowing that there were thousands of people praying for our daughter's healing and then not seeing that come to fruition. Let me just tell you <laughs> that I started to wonder if this whole God thing was a joke. Most of you only know me and John on this side of healing, right? Most of you don't know us within that season. A few of you do. And I am so completely grateful for you because you didn't turn away from us. You didn't tell us we were crazy. Instead, you did what the church should do, which is pull us into the body and reminded us that God is faithful and true regardless of what we were experiencing and despite how hard those words were to hear. The thing is, is our pain in that season didn't stop with our daughter's death we endured the loss of two more after her. And that's not to be like, oh, yay, poor Blakeney. I tried to wear that for a while and it made me sick. <laughs> the point is to tell you that I relate with Naomi because I was in a space that was so deep and so dark that one, I questioned whether or not um, God was faithful for sure. I actually told my husband before we, um, when I got pregnant with, with the second one, after um, we lost our daughter, Kinley, um, I told him, there's no way God would do it to us a third time. I said those words to him. I believed them. 
So then, when we lost that baby, (laughs) I went into a space that honestly, I would have been fine to stay in because the pain was so deep and so dark. I wanted nothing to do with a God who I had professed that was good. We were involved in ministry at our old church. We taught preschool. I was in the choir. Fortunately, a choir, not with a microphone, right? Nobody needs to hear all that except the glory of the Lord because it says to make a joyful noise, right? So when I hear these words, deep in my soul, praise him anyway, I certainly didn't want to because I questioned everything about him. I called him a liar. I said he was a fool. I said there was no way he was gonna go back on that. And God, what about all the people who were praying for her? What about all the people that you let down? You let me down, God. You let me down. There's actually a song that we sing that there's a line that says, you've never disappointed me. And it makes my skin crawl every time. Sorry, Pax. Um, Because it says, you've never disappointed me. And let me tell you, I have felt disappointed by the Lord. And if I were to ask you, you would probably agree that you've been in that place too. Which is why it is so important that we understand that God's faithfulness and his goodness and his purity and his holiness function despite how we feel about him. Thank God. Thank God. Right? He loves us then. He loves us now. He loves us in the future. Despite our feelings, whether you want him to love you or not, whether you believe that he's good or not, he is and he does. When I think sometimes about why people say no to him, I'm like, why do you say no? (laughs) Why do you say no? I mean, he gave us free will. And so we have the opportunity to say yes or say no. When you say no, you get what you deserve, which is an eternity in hell. Can I just say something? I don't wanna go to hell. I've lived some hell on earth. And if hell, hell, hell is different and worse than the hell I've experienced on earth, no, thank you. Give me Jesus, right? Give me Jesus. So when I think about Jesus, talking about Jesus, right? And the faithfulness that he had to endure the cross, it literally makes me speechless because when it says, when we know that Jesus went to the cross, we have a tendency to think that God sent him to the cross. That's not what happened. God sent him here to earth. Jesus went to the cross. He willingly bore the cross. He willingly let them beat him beyond recognition. He let them, he willingly allowed them to put the crown of thorns on him that punctured all the way down deep in his skull. He let them hang him up on the cross, beaten so badly, so badly, it was beyond recognition, y'all. Let that sit for a minute. That is the God who came and went and died for you and for me because he loves us that much. How can we not say he's good? How can we not say he's good? He's also the same God that met me in the deepest pit 
and allowed me to call him liar. It allowed me to call him unfaithful. Instead, you know what he said to me? Bring it. Bring it, Blakeney. Bring it. You're mad at me? Great. I still love you. You think I hurt you? Great. I still love you. You're disappointed in me? Great, Blakeney. I still love you. Do you know I love you so much? I sent Jesus to die for you. Will you let me heal it, Blakeney? And part of me wanted to say no, because I was afraid that if I said yes to healing, that meant I had to forget everything I'd lived. It doesn't work that way. Saying yes to him ultimately led me to here. Because nothing that we experience here is done in vanity, and there's not a dang thing that he doesn't use for his glory. Do I need to say that again? There is nothing that he allows to not be used for his glory. Everything is for his glory. Yes and amen. Right? Sorry, I feel like I'm totally momming y'all right now. And that's perfect because it's Mother's Day. And sometimes we need that. Right? I need that. It's kind of like when I sat there during worship and I asked God, what do you want them to know, Lord? And he's like, well, don't you get up from the table. That's actually how he talked to me. Don't get up from the table and invite them. When I hear the bridge of the words um, of the song Waymaker, and I think in relationship with Naomi, and I think about what her prayer life looked like, mirroring my own during that season of my life, I wonder if it looked a lot like, God, I can't see you. You're working, right? God, I, I can't feel you. You're, you're still working, right? God, you're working. I, I've seen you do it. Can you do it again? God, even, even when I don't feel that you're working, even when I don't see that you're working, because God, you never stop. You never stop. You never stop. And if you never stop, God, would you do it again? God, would you do it again? Because I need you. And he says, absolutely, because that's who he is, because he is good and he is faithful despite what we think and despite how we feel and despite what we're walking. And can I tell you, that is great news for me, not only as a human, but as a mom, <laughs> because momming, parenting, momming, dadding, mom, uh, parenting is all about trial and error, right? Go back all the way to Adam and Eve. It's trial and error. That's why we need the Lord. We cannot do this alone. And so when I think about what God has asked or what, um, when I've been asked what I want for Mother's Day, that's been a question that's been asked at my house this week. Not anymore in advance because, you know, Mother's Day is today. So I got asked in the past two days, right? <laughs> Facts, I love you. Um, I could say a clean house. I could say a clean house. I could say flowers because I love flowers. I could say a meal that I don't have to cook. I could have said this blazer that I bought for $30 on Amazon, okay? Um, that I bought myself and I love it, it's stretchy. Um, ladies, if we need it, we can talk later, okay? <laughs> I could have said all of those things, but when I think really, really what I want, especially as we are counting down the days, not willingly, but counting down the days until our daughter 
moves four and a half hours away to college. All I want, y'all, I want her to come home. That's what we want as moms. We want our babies to come home. And if we love our babies so much that we would lay down our lives for them, me laying down my life for my kids or you laying down your life for your kids may provide them a little bit of security here, but it cannot save them. The only thing that saves us is the life that Jesus gave up himself when he willingly went to the cross, said yes and amen, God, let your will be done and not mine because twice he asked for God to take it from him. Yet acknowledge the obedience of what had to be done on the cross. So in light of that, what, when I think about what the Father wants from us, not just today on Mother's Day, but every day, come home. Come home. He wants us to come home. It doesn't matter if you were here yesterday. It doesn't matter if it's been two weeks. It doesn't matter if it's been 10 years. It doesn't matter if you're happy with him. It doesn't matter if you're angry with him. It doesn't matter if your heart is in a million pieces and you're not sure if you're ever gonna be whole. Come home, come home. Naomi and Ruth went home and guess what? That's where healing began. That is the gift that we have through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's the opportunity to come home and for that healing to begin. So I ask you this as we prepare for a response. What do you need in order to come home? Because all he requires is for you to come. He does all the work. He's already done all the work. He just wants for you to respond. So if you're someone like me who needs to hear, Blakeney, get up get down here, you better get your booty home. Or whether you need to hear, baby, listen, I know that what you're going through is awful. It's the worst thing you've experienced of your life. I know, I know, but baby, will you come home? Come home. Let me hold you. Let me love on you. Let me have it. Sit with me. There's nothing that you can do that will separate me from you. But we could just come home. Come home. So as we move into this time of invitation, think about that. And if you need to come home, which is all of us, do it. Do it. Not for me, not for your neighbor, but for you because your father has invited you to meet with him at the table and it's time to eat. Let's pray. Oh God, man, everything starts and ends with you, Lord. It starts and ends with you, God. Yesterday, today, and forever, you never stop moving. You never stop moving. You never stop healing. You never stop being you, God, no matter how much the world and the enemy tries to thwart your plans. God, you are holy and you are pure, and you are Jehovah Jireh, and you are Yahweh, and we can breathe you in and breathe you out. And God, as we continue to breathe you in and breathe you out, our bodies that have been dry bones come back to life. So God, 
I ask that now, Father. I ask for the person who's hesitant because they're afraid of the people around them looking at them. God, move them anyway because you want them home more than the eyes of the person next to them. God, I pray for the heart that's so wounded that they're unsure that you really are good. God, remind them from the top of their head down to the toes, their very toes, God, and way down deep in their soul that you are good, you are good, and you are good whether they can say the words or not. It doesn't change you, and that is a good thing, God, because one day their soul will feel what we feel what we know to be true. God, thank you for rescuing me from the pit. Thank you for healing my heart, God, and thank you for placing me here, God, even when I was so down, down in that hole and in that pit, God, I didn't think I'd ever get out. And you rescued me, God, because that's who you are. I didn't have to do a thing. And you took me out, God. Do it again, Lord. Do it again. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast from the Church of Bushland. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram by using the Church of Bushland. We are all about people because God is all about people. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference.